I'm Damian Bolwa. Today on Fifth and Mission, San Francisco public school students are finally back on campus, part-time, some of them after more than a year. The district was among the last large metropolitan systems in the country to bring students back. Officials opened 22 elementary schools with more on the way after months of political bickering, labor negotiations, and a lawsuit. But there are challenges ahead, including a potential teacher shortage. To talk about all this, the Chronicle's education reporter, Jill Tucker, is back with me on the show. Jill, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I have to tell you before I ask you about San Francisco that my seventh grader, I dropped her off at orientation today. She was very nervous. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Was she excited? She was. No, she was very excited. But she most of these kids she hasn't met. She she just knows them online. You know, thousands of kids, similar situation, millions of kids, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That must be scary. Yeah. 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 For sure. Okay, so how how did it go in San Francisco on Monday? Well, schools are open. So after more than a year, kids are back in seats in elementary schools in San Francisco and preschools and some of the county schools. Um, they have 36 total sites open, but that includes the preschools. Um, today, just the little ones came back. So preschool through second grade, they were adorable. They had new little lunch boxes and shoes, and they walked into schools with their masks on and they're back. Um, as you said, it's not everybody yet, um, but it's a start. All right. So tell us who's back, who's not. What's the time frame? Yeah. So the first kids came back. It's ju- There were just uh, 22 elementary schools over the rest of this month. They will be opening up 107 sites total. Um, they'll be bringing back all the elementary school kids, K through five, um, or pre pre K through five, really. And then um, they'll also be bringing back at the highest risk students, the ones with the most needs. So that's special education, homeless kids, foster kids, those who've just been really disconnected from the distance learning. All told, by the end of April, they're they're looking at about twenty two thousand of the district's fifty two thousand kids uh, being back in school. But not older students. There's a lot of pressure, obviously, to bring everyone back. When is that going to happen? Will it happen before the fall? Well, all of the special needs students and and those with at the highest risk um, across all grades will be back. So we will see elementary, middle, and high schools open, but they're only going to be serving uh, certain students. Elementary schools fully reopen, but middle and high schools just serve serving students with the highest needs, what they call the priority students. Um, it looks like at this point, point that it's unlikely that all middle and high school students will be back until the fall. Everybody's crossing their fingers that by the fall, we have enough people vaccinated, cases down, everything good, and schools reopen full-time uh, on the first day of school in, in the fall. But until then, it looks like middle and high school kids, the majority of middle and high school kids are are going to be stuck at home um, at least until August. So today, what was the school day like for the kids that, that did return? So the way they have it structured, it's kind of a hybrid model. Um, some schools, depending on the space, are there four days a week in the morning. Some of uh, the kids are on a, an A-B a, schedule, what they call, where where the kids will be there only two days a week They and split the week with, with half the students in class and half the students not. 
Um, those wanting to be in uh, distance learning still, and that's an option for families, they would, they'll have distance learning in the afternoon. So it's morning in class for kids and families that are choosing that option and afternoons for distance learner kids um, that are still choosing that. Um, so the teachers are doing both. Uh, it's, a, it's a long day for them. Um, they don't get a lot of breaks in that because they have all the kids in class in the morning and the online kids in the afternoon. Uh, but that's what they negotiated and that's what they have. It's, it's uh, only for eight weeks. There's only less than eight weeks to the school year. So, um, but uh, yeah, so it's, it's still hybrid. It's still part-time. Uh, but they're, but they're back. They're in person. And here's obviously a complicated question, Jill, but you know, a lot of other schools are coming back into session now. Oakland did recently, but San Francisco has been in the news a lot. They've been criticized. What took so long? Yeah. You know, I, I think that that's like the biggest question. Like how did some schools open so early and, and do fine and, and get it all done and have kids back for months now. And then other districts like Oakland and San Francisco really just now in, in April months and months after County health officials said they could reopen are just now opening the doors. And, you know, it's a lot of things. It, it, it is uh, union negotiations. A lot of the other districts had agreements with their teachers unions early. They couldn't open without them. Um, and San Francisco didn't come to an agreement with the teachers union until uh, early March. And it, it then took a number of weeks to sort of do the final preparation, notify families, get the schedule worked out and get kids back. Um, you know, certainly facilities plays a part in it. The case count has played a part in it, depending on the agreements with unions. Um, you know, other districts have been open when county officials said they could, whereas in San Francisco and Oakland, the agreements uh, to reopen uh, sort of hinged on case counts and the availability of vaccination. And so they, they, based on those agreements, they couldn't reopen until those things had happened, whereas in other districts, teachers have been back for months well before there were any vaccinations available. So you have a lot of these sort of differences in facilities, differences in labor negotiations, and then, of course, certainly in San Francisco politics, where they have had, they've been, you know, completely over their head in scandals and lawsuits and, you know, and the list goes on, um, you know, renaming schools, reversing renaming schools and on and on. So it, it's, they've just been mired in a lot of politics, a lot of labor negotiations, and just it took them a lot longer to get ready. And a big difference of opinion among people around the school system, including parents, about whether it was a good idea to stay out of school. Obviously, several months ago, you know, we were still at a, a pretty big death count from the, the coronavirus and things have changed a lot, but there has been uh, an impact. Um, some parents have left the district to get their kids in school sooner. What's the, what's the impact now and, and what's the long-term impact? I mean, I don't know that we'll have real hard numbers until next fall uh, when we see what the enrollment is. Um, but I certainly anecdotally, I'm hearing of many, many families that are leaving the system or have left the system. We're already seeing it in um, enrollment counts or uh, sorry, application counts for the fall for like kindergartners where they're down more than 500 applications for spots in the public school system next year. So I but we won't see like the current students students um, that have left and don't come back until we get those numbers in the fall. I, I, I would venture to guess that we're going it, to, it's going to be a somewhat high number 
um, you know, let's let's say just randomly a thousand students or more. And, you know, that's a lot of uh, loss of state funding uh, for each of those students that don't come back in a district that's having financial difficulties. So it's, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have to wait and see until we get those headcounts in the fall. Uh, but I think uh, district officials are concerned and hoping that they can find a way to bring them back. Yeah, and many may come back now that the schools are open. Yeah, and I think, you know, the school board recently, they adopted something basically saying, we vow to reopen fully in the fall, uh, you know, as long as health officials say we can. And so I, I think they're hoping that that appeases some parents that are worried about a full reopening. Uh, but we'll see. You know, it, it's just a, we're going to try to reopen in the fall. That's our big goal. But, you know... Uh, they still have to negotiate with the unions and, you know, there's a, there's a lot to do before that happens. All right, let's take a quick break. We're going to have more with Jill Tucker on fifth and mission right after this. We'll be right back after a short break. You can support fifth and mission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited Chronicle access at sfchronicle.com slash pod. Welcome back to Fifth and Mission. I'm Damian Bolwa, joined by Jill Tucker, the Chronicle's education reporter. She covered the reopening of schools in San Francisco on Monday and has been covering a number of reopenings. Uh, Jill, I want to ask you about the teacher shortage. What does that look like? What causes it? And how is San Francisco in particular dealing with it? You know, there are teachers out there, staff members that have medical conditions that might prevent them from coming in person uh, right now um, because of the ongoing pandemic, despite vaccinations and despite everything. Uh, Maybe they have people at home who are at risk, et cetera. Um, The problem is that the district agreed to basically look at uh, or give give a waiver, an in-person waiver to teachers if they have a doctor's note for them or for their family member. Uh, which is a little uh, less strict than other districts where they went through a more legal process um, to identify basically the equivalent of a disability. Um, And so in San Francisco, more than 500 teachers that would have come back um, over the next month today, or uh, sorry, Monday or over the next month, um, would be uh, applied for this medical waiver, which is a lot. And about 290 were approved. Um, the problem is that means that the district has to have substitutes take over their in-person classes for the next eight weeks. And they only have about 140 substitutes right now. Um, they're looking to hire more substitutes. They've uh, contracted with an agency to provide qualified instructors. Um, but ultimately, they could be short teachers. And even though the classrooms should be reopened, they might not be able to accommodate all the kids if they can't get enough teachers in those classrooms. So we're going to be following that and and seeing they had plenty of teachers on Monday. uh, But as they start adding more classes and more schools reopen, um, we'll have to see. It's I think they're a little worried. What about the emotional component of this? It's been a very difficult time. You've written about the cost of that, that that kids have have grown depressed. There's been uh, a lot of issues, a lot of concern. What what were parents talking about today actually starting to get those kids back? 
You know, the parents were really just talking about how excited they were, how, you know, how their kids have struggled in distance learning. And they're just hopeful that now that they're back in class, that they'll be able to focus a little more. I mean, thinking that, you know, the little kindergartners have been on a screen the whole time, and that's really hard. Um, So a lot of the parents, I think there was a a large sense of relief today. Um, But, you know, uh, Mayor London Breed was at uh, one of the schools and greeting the kids and but she and she was really focused on how much damage has been done to a lot of these kids, a lot of the families, and that we're gonna it's gonna be quite a recovery um, to make sure that the emotional needs and the mental health needs and the educational needs of all these kids are met um, even when we come back in the fall and and moving forward. Um, there's just it, it's it's been hard. And uh, in many ways for families, and and I think uh, we're going to see the fallout fallout of that over um, many months to come, if not years. Jill, I also want to ask you about a trip that you recently made to the San Joaquin Valley, to the city of Manteca, to check out school there. They've been in school for several months. Yeah, you know, I I'd been wanting to go out there for a while because they were really one of the first districts in in Northern California, um, in the nearby Bay Area region, um, where they basically fully opened to all grades uh, in October and November of last year. So you know, the high school kids have been in school, middle school kids have been in school, the little ones have been in school for months and months and months um, on a hybrid schedule, but at least two days a week, full days. They are there from nine o'clock until 2.30, um, somewhere around there. Um, They have lunch there. They go to their classes. They go to different classes every day. They are singing in the choir. They are playing in the band. And, And I, you know, I really wanted to just go out there and see what a reopened high school looks like, because it is such a debate in San Francisco and Oakland um, about reopening middle and high schools. And parents are still demanding, you know, they still want to see these schools open this spring. And and so I thought, you know, I want to go out and take a look at what does it look like to have these high school kids there? Is it, you know, do they all flaunt the mask policy or like what's happening there? And so I went and I spent a day there watching kids in classes and, you know, all sorts of classes from photography to they have agricultural classes to ceramics and math and English and all of the the classes and how teachers are doing it. Um, and, And it was really fascinating to see that these kids are just sort of living a normal high school life. Um, you know, because we, we've gotten so used to that not being the case in, in across the Bay Area. And you see these kids, they're wearing their masks, but they're in school. They're learning how to graph in algebra class. They were taking care of turkeys in their agricultural class um, and, and out singing outside, playing in band outside. Um, so it was really interesting just sort of tracking how they reopened. Like, what did it take for them to do that? And, and how that's been going. They've had uh, basically no cases at, at the school that I went to, no transmitted cases at the school. They've had cases, but they're not getting it, uh, get, getting COVID at school. And, um, you know, so they have their doors open, you know, it's a little cold in the winter, they told me, Um, you know, so they have multiple mitigation layers there. Um, But they reopened way before the vaccine. And, you know, it was just really interesting talking to these kids about, you know, they said it isn't ideal to have a hybrid schedule, but they sort of feel normal, you know, they feel like they like they when they get to go to school they really value that they really appreciate that and they can't imagine not being at school 
And you wrote there were there was a higher need there, or at least a, a feeling that they needed to be in school or they were going to lose more kids just because of the nature of Manteca, right? Yeah, I think it was more, though, that the administration there, um, the leadership there in the district, uh, they just said, this is a must. This is a, there is no other option but to open. And they started planning actually last May, um, even in the midst of the early pandemic. They started coming up with a plan of how to do a phased reopening to get the schools ready, to get an agreement with the teachers, and to get the doors open. And, and it was it was sort of a we are opening so how like what are the issues that we have to solve rather than should we reopen so it's a very different type of mentality but i think they also realized you know manteca is a is a predominantly hispanic district they have a lot of english learners 60 percent of students are low income this is not a wealthy district that was able to buy all the bells and whistles you know and things like that um but i think you know that they also looked at the students that they have and realized a year without English language learning and a lot of other things for these kids was going to do a lot of harm. And and they didn't want to lose the kids. They didn't want these kids to be dropping out um, because they just didn't weren't going to school online. And um, and it was just it was really interesting just sort of talking to them about that whenever the CDC rules changed or county or state rules changed, they just quickly adapted. So now they're in the red. They're like, all right, we're bringing more kids back. We're putting more kids in classroom because now we can. They just sort of trusted the science. And when the county said they could open, they did. So is there a lesson for San Francisco and Oakland and, and Manteca? I don't know. I mean, I, I I guess that would be a good question for the, the public officials. I did ask the people in Manteca if anyone came and visited them from other districts to see how they did it. And they said no. So, you know, it's a question of, did they want to reopen? Was it, you know, it, were, were there too, was there, was there too much politics in this or, or um, did they just not see the way? Was it leadership? Was it the union? You know, I, I don't know if, if the district officials in San Francisco had it, had it all to do over again, knowing what they know now, would have schools opened a long time ago? I don't know. A very difficult question, but Jill Tucker, <laughs> thanks again for joining me. Always a pleasure. Thanks to my guest today, Chronicle reporter Jill Tucker. She covers education for the newspaper. To King Kaufman for producing this episode. And thank you for listening. <laughs>